Welcome back to the Always So Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and so happy to have you with me today. As I was preparing for my yearly summer trip to Omaha, Nebraska, I packed my podcasting equipment, knowing that I was going to do an interview with Father Timothy Gallagher, which was my previous episode of the show. But I had a sense I was packing my equipment that there was going to be somebody else that I would meet while I was there and have the opportunity to interview him. So on a fateful evening in the dorm room that we were staying in, in the common area, I met Bob Osborne, a Pentecostal pastor from Calgary, Canada. We were both trying to watch the NBA Finals, but quickly connected and shared some great conversation while watching the series. We went to lunch, and it became apparent to me that this was going to be the guy that I would do my other interview with in Omaha. And I say other not because it wasn't great, but because, you know, I'm trying to say. Anyways. So because a chance encounter like that could only be of the Lord, we decided, hey, I think we should talk about the Holy Spirit. So that's what this episode's about. We're focusing in on who the third person of the Trinity is. Bob's gentleness, optimism, and depth deeply impressed me in each of our conversations, and those qualities shine in this interview. So we get into it and ask, who is the Holy Spirit, and how do we know uh, what it means to really be in relationship with Him? We talked about how to decipher experiences in life and letting those experiences guide you to the truth. We discussed embracing the gifts of thinking, feeling, and choosing. And Bob opened up about his journey of faith, which has led him from the fringes towards the deep roots of Christianity. He talked about what it means to have faith in an infinite personal God, which is one of his favorite phrases. And lastly, we talked about how the sanity of Jesus should guide us in understanding what it means to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we bring it all together in this episode. There are many gems waiting for you when it is done. Please subscribe and share this show with anyone who is looking to deepen their understanding of the Holy Spirit. So let's get into it. Bob Osborne, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, and I'm honored to be with you today, Mario. Thanks, Thank Bob. Thank you. I'm truly blessed. This is, yeah. I think, a divine encounter, a divine appointment, whatever expression we want to use here. Uh, it's funny. So here we are in Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're from Calgary. Calgary, Alberta. That's right. And I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> and somehow here we are finding our way in, in Creighton and Basketball is what brought us together. And yeah. so congratulations to the Toronto Raptors on winning a championship. How's Canada feeling? Yeah, well, thank you. It was really fun to find another uh, basketball fan here <laughs> on the on the campus. And uh, and we did bond through that time. Yeah. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And Canada's very excited to be basketball champs of the world. Yes. That's... <laughs> Even though all the players are from here. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Teams in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and Drake's in Canada. Yeah. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, so as I reflected on our conversation, what we could be talking about is, uh, oh, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the place where I want to begin is just to introduce yourself to the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've talked and you're a Pentecostal minister, and at least that's the way you introduce yourself to me. And, and you have been in the Pentecostal church your whole life and have served in various capacities as a minister. And so the Pentecostal movement as as in the various branches of the church or or the traditions within, you know, the, the the Christian ecclesial, you know, community is viewed as the most kind of, I guess, well, that the, the Pentecost celebrating the Holy Spirit. And, mm-hmm. and in our conversations, it seems that the, the, the Lord has guided you in a journey 
of understanding who the Holy Spirit is and, and how he operates in your life. Mm-hmm. And so to what degree you want to share with the audience what that journey has been, um, I, I leave the floor to you. Yeah. Well, thank okay. you. I mean, I, I am a Pentecostal in the sense that uh, I was born to a Pentecostal pastor. Very early on, though, I realized that, um, what would I say? I'd received such tremendous gifts from my father and from my experience. But I very early on, I, I had a real sense of the whole church of Jesus. Mm. It was quite early on. So when I come to the spirit, uh, to the, to the uh, question of the Holy Spirit, it's not a question of, um, well, I received something uh, that was unique in my world. My journey has really been, and I call myself now a great tradition Christian. What, what, that, like. what does that I mean? know. And that's, you know, <laughs> explain that people say. And what that is, is I believe in the whole body of Jesus. Yeah. All those people of various places and stripes uh, that name themselves after Jesus. And so when we start talking about these questions, it's really with an open heart to learning Jesus through the various sections of the church. Yeah. So, you know, that idea, that word sectarian, mm-hmm. uh, we have that idea of sectarianism, mm-hmm. sect section, you know, you're a piece of the pie, but mm-hmm. you don't have the whole pie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've really learned so much from my my brothers and sisters in other parts of the church. So by accident or providence, I was born in the Pentecostal church, <laughs> but I really needed to fill out my worldview from the whole church, understanding who Jesus is through many eyes. That was the title of a book by uh, Bishop Stephen Neal, Jesus Through Many Eyes. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing about the Holy Spirit as we talk about the Holy Spirit today. Yeah. Um, you know, even in my interaction here at Creighton in Ignatian spirituality, there's been a depth of reflection for me. Uh, I don't think in many ways that, uh, what would I say that I'm experiencing new things so much as I'm looking at my experience in different ways. Okay. And that's really been helpful for me. So, so let's talk uh, about just the Creighton program a little bit, yeah. what you're going through the spirituality program, what, what led you here? Yeah. And uh, what what is it that you're yeah discovering, or what are the the ways, the lenses to re- view your experiences? Yeah, like what's, what's and, and going it was on really there? that word experience. Yeah. So I came out of an experiential faith. Mm-hmm. Pentecostals were big on feeling God, mm-hmm. and you know I needed to push for a long while into sort of uh, thinking and away from experience because I needed to balance that part of myself out. But then I came back to wanting to really deepen myself in experience, and then that led me to Ignatian spirituality. And uh, as I age, and I'm 60 years of age now, uh, I I really saw that spiritual direction was a way that I could live vocationally Mm. at this time in my life. And so that led me to Creighton and uh, my engagement here. And what it is about this place, I suppose, or even this form of uh, approaching spiritual life is uh, taking experience seriously, which is really interesting uh, even to step outside of the Christian boundaries to talk to people about their experiences, what's really going on in them. This is really a fruitful place to to have engagement with people, no matter where they come from in the world or their understanding of Christian faith or their denomination. What's really going on in your experience? And so what I found with Ignatian spirituality was a way to talk about experience and a way to look at it more carefully. So the word is discernment, right? Which is a beautiful word. Let's look at your experience a little bit more carefully. What are you actually feeling? What's going on inside of you? And really being honest about that. And so, you know, it's been a long held idea for me that what is most personal is most universal. Um, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what is deep down in us is what really unites us and draws us together as human persons. And, and so that's my interest about this world. That's my interest in my own journey. Uh, and so that's what brought me here. And uh, maybe that's what brings us together today. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, you spoke a little bit ago just about the balance between thinking and feeling. Yeah. What are the dangers when we go too far in one direction versus the other? Yeah. Well, uh, in my experience as a Pentecostal kid, uh, it was all about the experience. And, and I probably didn't have enough grounding in terms of being able to look at my experience in ways that maybe helped me ground myself, land on some some solid footings there. So I do think we need to think. I think we need to feel. And it's and probably we need to act and choose. And so between those maybe three poles, and maybe there are more than that, uh, we find our, uh, our, uh, our, our grounding. But I think there's a lot of people who don't know what, if they're a thinker, they don't know what it means to really feel. And if they're a feeler, they don't know what it really means to think. I think the dangers are being lopsided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. Whatever that is. Yeah, and the Lord works in both of those. Yeah. I mean, the Lord has yeah. given us a rich theological tradition and in, in, uh, in being able to think in a Catholic sense, certainly. You know, we have a couple thousand years of, of thinkers who are, who are operating and trying to make sense of, of God and his presence in the world. And maybe Catholics sometimes get accused of being too much on that end, you know, of, of being thinkers. While at the same time, the church has, the Catholic church at least has this beautiful liturgical tradition that, that is very sensual in the sense that like the, the rituals that are there are all meant to, to bring alive all of our various senses, whether it's the architecture of the church or the, the taste of communion or the smell of the incense yes. or the sounds. I mean, it's, it's meant to be the mass and the experience of the mass is meant to be a, a, an incredibly sensual and the, in, in the appropriate sense of the word, yeah. kind of experience. And and sometimes we lose sight of that when we get too caught up in just the thinking of it. Yeah. Um, but then, like you said, the danger could be if we go too far into the experience and we don't have a proper grounding, yeah. then it's almost like we lose we lose touch of the object of reality. Yes. And and things just become overly subjective. Yeah. And then it becomes, well, my Holy Spirit versus your Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get to that maybe a little bit later, yeah, but yeah. some of the dangers of when things become too experiential. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to offer just in terms of finding that balance. Well, you know, this is really coming out of what a lot of people don't understand maybe is we live in a post-enlightenment world. It was Descartes <laughs> sort of set the agenda right. for us. And so we tend to think of uh, hard thinking as more objective. This is really what happens in our uh well, why, why don't you nail down exactly why Descartes set the objective for for listeners yeah. who don't know why, well, why specifically well he 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 really uh reduced probably the mind to sort of the linear thinking objective thought versus there is a way of knowing that we know experientially and right. and emotionally which is also part of our knowing we feel our way to truth sometimes even though we need to find rational arguments so, so this is when you were commenting on the, the Catholic liturgy, you know, the, the beauty can speak to us, right? All these kinds of things. So there's more to knowing than we know, I guess I would say, right? And what we're waking up, I think we're waking up in our time to this. There's a lot of, without, you probably are more versed in this than I am, but sure. understandings about the human brain and how we perceive and yeah. know. And so this is really going on. And I, I even think for the emerging generation, 
that may have uh, some questions about faith. There's more, I would just say, to a person who's exploring. There's more to be understood about how we perceive than they probably given credit for. This is in the debates that are going on in the recent God debates with the the atheists and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 actually feeling things that they're not expressing. Right. And and that's why I say uh, there's more going on here that's very fruitful for us to understand how we actually perceive God and how we might sense God and how God might come to us in different ways at different times and especially even with different personalities. Um, so I find I find even for myself being out of my world and coming to Creighton for study, this has been really rich for me. Awesome. Because there's been a cross fertilization. Yeah. And I would say that to almost everybody, you know, get out of your own little bubble and talk to <laughs> talk to other people. Yeah, amen. Hey, that's that's what I that's what I hope. Yeah. Know, honestly, I think that that that's right on. Yeah. Um Okay, so the Cartesian, I think, therefore, I am, has kind of set the agenda that my being, I am, yeah. can, is only contingent on my thinking, which we know, and like you said, yeah. is, is, is not, it's, it has set up a whole host of errors that we're not even going to go into, certainly. Right, right. But recognizing that we are, we're not dualistic, uh, there isn't meant to be a conflict within us, we're, we're supposed to have an, an integrated self where our yeah. experience and our knowledge kind of goes hand in hand, and and so when we think about conversion or movement or maturity in the spiritual life, um, in your experience, how have you seen growth in that coming from a Pentecostal kind of upbringing and then moving more towards, uh, what did you say, a great tradition, tr- Christian that yeah, we said? Yeah. yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis, a mere Christian here. Yeah. You know, what, what, yeah. How has that kind of played out in, in your life? In my life. So I, I kind of had an image at one point in my life that I was dancing around on a twig at the end of a branch on the top of the tree. So I like to think of Christian faith as a large tree. And when, if we know a little bit about history, how things developed and then they fragment and split. And so I saw myself in this, on this twig <laughs> and I realized I needed to head back down towards the bigger branches. Mm. And what happened was I hit the bigger branches. This was part of my educational journey. And I kept heading toward the root. <laughs> First the trunk and then the root, you know, Mm -hmm. what is the solid center out of which all of this has emerged? What is the reality Mm -hmm. out of which, you know, my own experience, what I said before, whether it's accident or providence, you know, where I ended up, but where, what's the center of this? What's the reality that all of this comes from? Right. And so that was my journey is my deep sense of needing real grounding. Right. So sometimes I might, when I was younger, react to certain things that I saw in my my religious world and say, that can't be, or I, I would put it differently. But instead of just being reactive, and I know there's reactive tendencies, I wanted to ask the better question of, well, what is the reality? And where do I go for help? You know, And that's why, so for me, the journey was uh, was to keep looking and asking, asking questions. And so I, I, I usually say that to ask a question is to maybe to learn some wisdom to ask even a better question yeah. and keep asking the better question, which takes you towards truth itself. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. I, I, I judge a, a man's wisdom, not by what he knows, but by the questions that he asks. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're, we're right there with you. So yeah. the twig and it's, and it's beautiful as we, as we kind of talking about these two poles, I guess, within the human system of experience and thinking that yeah. you come out of this, this upbringing that is strongly experiential. Very. 
but your journey is one of, of questions yeah. and seeking knowledge. And so moving away from the twig to the trunk, down to the root. <laughs> now you have shared with me that you have a quite extensive library and they're all cataloged. How, can you share with the listeners how, how big your library is? Yeah, I'm known as a book nerd and my, <laughs> my friends uh, tease me about that. So it's been a problem because it's a space problem. <laughs> Uh, but I, I've uh, cataloged my library. Uh, I have about 3,500 books right now, although I've gotten rid of hundreds of books over the last few years. Uh, but books keep arriving at my door. <laughs> <laughs> and so my real goal right now is, you know, books have to leave if new ones come in. But uh, yeah. I've been a book nerd. and But it's been this exploration, a real hunger to know, right? And so that gets into this whole thing of uh, experience and, and, and rationality. How do we know? Yeah. And one of the things I'm recapturing at this time in my life, after a long push into, you know, sort of book knowing, and I still love books, <laughs> but it's that openness to a wider field or way of knowing. And I'm really giving experience its its weightedness that it needs to have again. So I really want to live at this point of life. And it, the interesting thing is, as a Pentecostal, was coming back into the Catholic world and hanging out with my Catholic brothers and sisters like you, Mario, <laughs> uh, to say, you know, these people are validating experience for me again. Yeah. And this is part of the tradition. Yeah. This is the deep root yeah. of, of human knowing yeah. that there was a lot of discovery of knowledge religiously, spiritually, but almost in every field that came through experience as well as rationality. Yeah. And so what does that mean for me as a Christian right now to know God? There's a part of me that can know him experientially as a living presence. I'm thinking now of a young person who it's, you know, if you're raised in this day and age in the postmodern sense, yeah, where the Naked subjectivism uh, has become the totalitarian thought that this there is no objective truth. Yeah. All you have is experience. But because there's no objective truth, what it's like there's there's nothing outside of yourself. There, if everything is relativistic, there can never be a real shared experience because it's the truth begins and ends within me. And what I'm seeing, and maybe you're seeing this in direction or when you're out doing some of your speaking engagements at parishes, but with the young people that I'm working with in counseling and when I go to college campuses and Catholic and non-Catholic alike, I find that this generation is, is marked by anxiety. Mm -hmm. That it's, this is my own speculation, so I welcome your thoughts on this, but yeah. that it's almost this, because there is a, a lack of direction of what to do with your experience that you have this experience but then you just it's just it's just inward and it's just this churning and it's just these questions and and you don't know what's right or what's wrong or what to do and even among catholics i see like because like dating for example or discerning a vocation there's so many options and how do you really know what god's calling me to do how do i know if i'm supposed to be a celibate priest or if i'm supposed to marry a girl and then if i'm dating how am i supposed to know that there's five girls that i really like and who's the one and how do I really judge my experience? And so there's there's such scruple and scrutiny against the experience that it just drives this anxiety upward. Or or even people who, like I said off air, people who listen to my show that aren't necessarily Catholic or Christian, but kind of individuals who are kind of seeking, that even them also, there's this place of like, well, can I really hang my hat on on a thing called the truth? Mm -hmm. Can can my experience really lead me towards that? Mm -hmm. 
I find that those are the questions that are just, you know, epidemic um, or pandemic, whatever the right word is. It's yeah. just ubiquitous. There's a better word yeah. within within this kind of young millennial and post millennial generation. Absolutely. So one of uh, one of the important voices in my early formation was Francis Schaeffer. You might not know about him. No, I don't know about that's Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. That's in my end of the church. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Introduce he said, me to him. Yeah, and he said uh, at the end of the 20th century there would be a crisis of knowing. Uh, and I've, I've sort of camped on that, that crisis of knowing, and I've talked quite a bit about that with people. So the crisis of knowing means, well, what, what do we depend on? You know, uh, was it Nietzsche who said when all is solid melts into air? Some, one of those, uh, someone. And so that, that solidity, yeah, (laughs) that solidity, (laughs) that sort of world under, underneath us that we can depend on has sort of evaporated. Uh, I think that's a fruitful place. I mean, at one point you could say that's despairing. Mm. Um, but for those who want to live, I would guess, I would just say to someone, well, do you want to live? Mm. Because if you want to live, that crisis opens up a really interesting, uh, what, vacuum to say, well, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And there's a whole living tradition underneath us that speaks to this. So this is not unanticipated. This is not like something new has happened. This is actually the end of the modern world that's led us into a crisis of knowing. It's not, it's not the world as it's always been. And the world as it's always been has had a solidity. And it's, and it's a way called faith, right? And people say, you know, the problem with faith is that people think that faith is, is sort of like a guessing or a wishing it's much richer and deeper than that. Elaborate. Yeah. I mean, it is It is a trust in something that's provable when tested. So what I would say about faith is there is a solidity, solidity that emerges as it is tested out, right? So, so you have say to, that again. Say that again. To, Let me tease, to, tease that out. Yeah. You have to walk into it and, and prove it. And as you walk in faith, and, and I'm talking about not faith in anything, but faith in the God is revealed in the Christian tradition. And this is my, this is my deeply held belief, uh, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and the scriptures. As you walk in that, and this is what Jesus says over and over again in the Gospels, I invite you to step into this and prove this way. And so that, that kind of testing and proving is something that is entered into experientially, but it is also known cognitively. So it, it, it's a way that broaches both those poles. But what I'm saying is there is, a, there is something present in the world called faith that actually a, uh, answers this deep chasm within people right now that's going on. Yeah. And I'm wondering about whether or not this generation might be on the edge of a rediscover a rediscovery of faith that might be quite it might be amazing you know my generation the baby boomers kind of <laughs> messed with religion too much and i feel Thanks. partly responsible for that your generation uh, i'm 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 much more intrigued with as as finding their way back not that it's there yet but because but the answer is be, or the question has become so profound and I think either, you know, the, the question is, well, do you want to live? And if you want to live, there's a way forward. And yeah. so the question of faith is, is inexcusable, is um, not excusable, like uh, unavoidable. That's the better word here for, for any of us. And, um, and to make this God, the God who has revealed himself through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, 
and then continually reveals himself through the Holy Spirit in yeah. the life of the church over the 2,000 years, yeah. that the question of faith is, is, is it's a deeply held, it's a deeply personal one. Yeah. We all have to kind of reconcile within ourselves how God operates within us. Yeah. But at the same time, that is grafted to the root and the trunk of the tree that you yeah. spoke about earlier. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and if I heard you right, you know, there, there's always a, a leap of faith. There's always a, an element that God goes so far, but then we have to take that extra step. This is kind of silly, but there was that movie a few years ago called Hitch. I don't know if you ever watched that with Will Smith. He's pretending to be this, uh, not pretending, he's kind of this coach to help guys get the girl and he kind of helps them become cooler and to know how to play the game so that the girl that they kind of like, you know, that they can, that they can kind of work their way towards that. And it's really just about teaching men confidence and stuff. Yeah. But, but one of the things that he does is even he's teaching guys how to kiss a girl for the first time. He says, what you got to do is you got to go 90%, 90%. And then you let the girl go 10%, you know? <laughs> and so he's like 90%. And then, and then the guy's like goes 10% and, and, and it's a funny exchange because he's with another comedian and the guy goes all the way and he kisses him. He's like, dude, what's the matter with you? I'm just teaching you, you know, so, you know, whatever. But it's funny that I've always held that image of kind of like God going like 90%. Yeah. And always leaving space. That 10% yes. is a question of faith. Like, yeah. because without that 10%, people ask, and I, in myself, in my own journey, I've, I've, yeah. I've wondered like, like, why? Like, would it have been easier if I would have lived in the time yeah. of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Would it have been easier? Would it have been easier if Jesus would have never ascended and just kind of stayed over the 2000 years here and I can go see him and touch him and, yeah. and shake his hand and hug him? Yeah. Even if that would have happened, the question of faith was still present to the disciples. Yeah. It was, the question of faith was still there. Absolutely. The 10%, like that, there's, yeah. a, there's an element in us that we have to engage. Yes. There's a question inside of us that we have to always we always have to be able to answer that question that Jesus poses. Who, who mm -hmm. do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And and none of us are 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 excused from answering mm -hmm. that. And and the reason that I think faith is unavoidable, and the reason that faith is there, it's because when when we then take that leap of faith and we we make that resolve, we we make that kind of decision, and things kind of click inside of us, and we say, "I'm marching forward in this way." Well, then that's what that that that's our free will engaging. It's not, there's nothing passive here. There's nothing willy nilly here. There's nothing um, simple about this. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sincere engagement that we have to kind of choose and, and go with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So faith, I mean, faith itself has to be recast in people's imaginations because when they hear the word faith, a yeah. lot of people, as I, I think I said just previously, that they're thinking about uh, something like believing in something not real. Yeah, or, some fairy tale, yeah, fairy some, tale. you know, whatever. So that's not superstition. Biblical. Yeah. None of that. That's yes. not biblical faith. Biblical faith is is essentially trusting in someone. So this is where for me, faith for me is only based in the person of Jesus. And because I believe Jesus and and because I've, you know, studied Jesus, <laughs> that he is reliable. And so I put my trust in him. And that would be the invitation is just to hear clearly what Jesus says and, and study who he is. That's So faith is not believing in something that's impossible or unreal. Faith is putting your trust in someone that's dependable. And this is why I say uh, the root or the 
or the trunk of the tree <laughs> as being the essence going back there. And that's why we have to climb past, uh, sometimes we have to climb past religion and the veneer. You know, we'll all find ourselves in a place where we belong that serves our faith. But the first thing we have to do is find the living God right. <laughs> right. that is found. And so some pe- sometimes, a lot of times people get tripped up on sort of the scaffolding of the church or whatever the veneers are yeah. instead of the personal God that addresses them. And that really is the essential question of faith. It is. Who is there? It, you know, absolutely. absolutely. As Francis Schaeffer said again, uh, in one of his books, I think it was the title of one of his books, He is There and He is Not Silent. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful pregnant phrase to say to someone. He is there, right? The God that you cannot see is there and he is not silent. He does speak to us. That's the experiential side. It's also the objective side. But in that experiential side, there is a voice that speaks deeply into our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So the, the place where even when you said that, you know, we have to get rid of religion, a, a little bit inside of me, you know, I'm a Catholic, right? So I'm not love, saying get rid of religion. No, no, I know, I know. I'm I saying know. find the living God Finding inside. Finding the living God yeah. inside of it. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. In, in, in the faith, the, the, the Christian faith, the Christian church, when it's operating at its best, that's precisely yes. what it should be doing. Yes. Whenever it's pointing to itself, yeah. whenever it's pointing to its own structures, its, yeah. its, its own um, agendas, yeah. um, it loses then that trajectory. Yeah. Which is always what the body is supposed to be. Yes, I mean Jesus. Jesus makes it very clear to Paul, right, in his conversion. And why are you persecuting me? Jesus yeah. makes himself very clear and very that he's present within the body yeah. that is there. And so it is because there is an invisible God. Yeah. That how does God then reveal Himself to us? Yeah. Well, through us. Yeah. Through conversations like this. Yeah. Through through the priest, through the pastor, through the yeah. the man who's living faith, or the woman who's who's making those sacrifices for her children. That when people are, are acting out in their faith, we're, we're, we're as a church, as a community, leading people then or pointing or being witnesses yeah. um, to this God who is dependable, to yeah. this God who is who is always faithful. To yeah, us. yeah. So, so we do. So that's one, one of the theories of knowing that I have when we talked about being in a crisis of knowing is that we know nothing by ourselves. We, we know in company. We, we look at things with a friend. And this is where people, I think, uh, need to think about what are the sources of their knowing. Are, is their knowing sourced in popular culture? Is their know, knowing sourced in a peer group? How do you know what you know? And, and, and uh, if, we, if we choose uh, to really investigate, I think there are places and forms for investigation that can really help us here. And, and to move into the mysteries, you know, the mystery of our own being, the mystery that's inside of us, the sort of the the yearning, the deep yearning we all carry. Uh, as someone said one time, uh, they didn't know if they prayed, but they wished upwards. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, they had this capacity within themselves. And yeah. I, I take this as a universal, that we have this capacity that we're wondering about the mystery of the more. Yeah. We're, we're wondering about who we are and what it all means. And, and so that's my lead into the Holy Spirit, that this mysterious God is, is so close to us. The, you know, the metaphors for the Spirit in the scriptures are breath or wind, you know, this unseen presence, this, this deeply personal and intimate presence with us. Um, and, and I would say to anybody, I, I don't, you know, you can breathe out, <laughs> God be with me at any point. And it's possible for you to experience, uh, you know, the presence of God because he is gracious to condescend to be with us. 
Uh, and that's the mysterious uh, presence of God right where we are, not simply in a church, although we, we will experience God there, but right where we are yeah. and to talk to him and to be present with him. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sakas and I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Bob Osborne to encourage you to find me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sakasa. I've got plenty of goodies there waiting for you. I'm constantly sharing about my personal life and experiences as well as reflections on movies. I love movies and I love being able to, to read them and see just kind of the message that's being there. So anyways, I share all that stuff for you there on Facebook or Instagram. Look forward to dialoguing with you on those platforms. So who's yeah. the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, uh, the Holy Spirit is, so this is the thing that I would say about God is God is not merely the collective force of the universe. So when people say you can talk to the universe, uh, it's never good enough for me. I want to talk to a personal God. So the beginning of all things is personal. Uh, at the heart of the universe is, is a personal God. The Holy Spirit then is uh the personal god presence present with us right the personal god present with us so <clears throat> if somebody knows a little bit of theology they'll know that the christian view of god is trinitarian meaning yep. god is 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 one and yet three persons um and and there's no way that we can get our minds around that that's just the christian revelation um and we see God most personal in the person of Jesus. You know, that Jesus is the revelation of God to us in human form. <clears throat> so I like to think of the Holy Spirit as the Bible often talks about the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. So there's many terms used for the Holy Spirit in the scripture. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he's talked about just as the Spirit or as the Holy Spirit referencing his divinity, mm -hmm. God with us. But I really think it's really important for us to hear as the Bible, maybe it's 20 sometimes, the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of Christ. So one of the ways we can understand the spirit of, uh, of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Christ is what was Jesus like, <laughs> right? At the end of his life, he said, uh, it's good for you to go away. And if I go away, I'm going to send you another comforter, mm -hmm. another counselor, just like me. So in the same family dynamic as Jesus, the Holy Spirit is that personal presence of God. Uh, and for me, naming him the Spirit of Jesus really helps me to understand his personality and way. Yeah. Because when people hear Holy Spirit, they can go to all kinds of imaginings based on how their religious experience or caricatures that go on out there. The Spirit of Jesus really helps me see uh, the kind of personality the spirit is, which yeah. is deeply wise and present and intimate. Right. And we could go on down the line here. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think you're, you're on it here because yeah. Christ as God is fully revealed through Jesus. Yes. That's who he is. Jesus, yes. if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And because the three are one, then we have seen the Holy Spirit also. Yes. And what that means, I don't know. I mean, you, you could take a semester long class on trinitarian theology and you'll end up still thinking i don't know yeah, right yeah and there's a story of of augustine who was walking by the shoreline and you know yeah. it, it, and he's he sees this boy who's has a pail of water and his you know there's a, there's a hole in the ground and he's trying to take the pail and he's 
taking the water from the ocean and dumping it into the, the hole in the ground. And, and Augustine at this time was kind of pondering the mystery of the Trinity and trying to make sense of it. And, and so he sees his boy and he's kind of caught off by it and he thinks it's kind of ludicrous. And so he asked the boy, he says, well, what are you doing? And the boy's like, I'm trying to fill the ocean in, in this hole. And he's like, that's ridiculous. And then I think the story goes and mm-hmm. that the boy reveals himself to be an angel and basically was like, well, <laughs> that's kind of what you're trying to do right now, thinking yeah. about the Trinity. Yeah. So I recognize that we can fall into the temptations of, you know, what, what is it, modalism on one side yeah. and just a tripartism on the other side. Yeah. I forget the, the name of the heresies where we go yeah. to one extreme or the other. But the three in one, the closest analogy I think that we have to, to kind of give us a lens is, is a spousal, the love between spouses mm-hmm. that there's. There's an intimate love between a husband and a wife yeah. and the bond itself is, is almost its yes. own entity. Yeah. And I think that in, that entity is fruitful always. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk about children being into that, but that that love, that bond that's there is it's kind of its own essence. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, I know I'm praying speaking heresy when I say that, but yeah. at least may the, may the theologians have pardoned me. We're trying to grasp towards the bond who, of love is, is yeah. yeah and so th- that's, that's the Holy spirit that the yeah. spirit is, is the father is pouring out his love to the son and the son is, is receiving the love in in return, giving that back to the father. And this is the, the eternal prayer that's there of the Trinity. And, and the spirit is the love that, that exists between them. And in Christ, when he came and died on the cross and rose again for us revealed in that one great Paschal mystery that, that he is a second person and that he's receiving this love. And then from his side, it is pouring out, you know, to humanity. And yeah, and, and then in his ascension, we, we, we are then received nine days later the gift yeah. of the Holy Spirit. So God has revealed himself in, in, in this in scripture. Yeah. Um, and so the way you spoke about the spirit is, 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 is um, akin to intimacy. Yeah. So, so one of the ways this is described is, you know, there's so many images of this in scripture. But uh, so Jesus, as the revelation of God, the son relating to the Father, the Holy Spirit brings us into that relationship. So a personally bringing in, us into intimate relationship with God. So the Holy Spirit is, is, is the personal presence of God that empowers our relationship as God's creatures with the infinite personal God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, just just say that again. Yeah. I think it just blew my mind. I don't know all, what I, what all, I just all, said. Paul reminded the podcast. If, if somebody wants to read about this, Romans 8 is a pinnacle moment in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much to be said there. But by the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba being the personal uh, way that uh, an Aramaic child would address their father in first century Palestine. And so this is one of the words of Jesus that leaks over from the Aramaic into the Greek, Abba. And, and Paul is saying there, it's by the Holy Spirit that we're enabled to actually speak in personal terms to the God who made all things. The ultimate wise God, the ultimate powerful God, the ultimate good God, right? And, and people have to get, we all have to get our minds around. This is part of even, even though I've been raised in the church, I don't think I've ever uh, fully understood the goodness of God. I'm still learning about what that goodness is. But the Holy Spirit brings me into that relationship where I can cry out in personal terms to the God who loves me, right? So it's the bond of love between the Father and Son. So everything in Christianity is put into personal terms. And this is where I think it matters. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're not just talking concepts or ideas or you know philosophy. 
We're talking about what is most personal about us and what is most personal that's unlocked in us. This is where I feel like a, a lot of us don't know how to express our feelings, don't know how to talk about what we want, don't know how to <laughs> don't know how to share about what it means to really be understood, you know, to find our life. I really think the Holy Spirit uh, as God's gift, as the gift of Jesus to his people is all about that becoming deeply personal, understanding love, understanding what it means to be me, <laughs> all those kind of things. So what a gift. Amazing. Oh my goodness, yeah. what a gift. Yeah, and to learn how yeah. to be vulnerable yeah. within ourselves and, and to be honest and recognizing uh, everything and, and, yeah. and to know that God, the same God who created the universe, just to make this point, you said it yeah. earlier that you know, when people just say, oh, I pray to the cosmos, you, yeah, you yeah. throw a flag on that. Yeah. And I kind of do too, because it, it makes it so, it, it's so impersonal. And the, yeah. and the reality is, if a comet came and blew up half the planet, that comet doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if Jupiter's out there doing it, Jupiter doesn't care. You know, yeah. like, there's, yeah, like yeah. there is no relationship that's, that can be formed with any of these celestial kind of entities. But the God who created everything, the master of the universe... Yeah. is at the same time, right, desiring this profoundly intimate relationship with us. Yeah. And that's the mystery of the Christian faith. Yeah. I mean, that that, Christ, that God would send his only son yeah. um, to die for us and to reveal himself to us. And and so then now, like we said, that the spirit allows us to be open and, and intimate, and but that requires an engagement with us. Like, are we vulnerable with the Lord? Are we crying out? To yes. God, do we use the word Abba? Do we feel comfortable yeah. using these relational terms with the Lord? Yeah. So I want to ask you to shift it just a little bit yeah. when you think about the Spirit and Holy Spirit here, and uh, and some of the concerns with the Pentecostal movement, yeah. and, and I've seen elements of this tripping into the the, the Catholic Church as well in terms yeah. of the charismatic element, and and my own conversion came through the charismatic renewal. I'm grateful to the Brotherhood of Hope, who's yeah. a group of religious brothers based out of Boston at, at Florida State University. They use that charismatic element to bring me into the church. But as I've grown and matured in my faith, I've I've seen some elements of the charismatic or the Pentecostal kind of movement that um, I don't think are the Lord. <laughs> um, and I think you've seen some of this also in your own yeah, journey. very much. And, and if I can nail it down, yeah. this is my own experience yeah. and my own knowledge as well, that when we get too much into an emotionalism or an emotive notion of the Lord and we put too much um, emphasis on God coming in the goosebumps yeah. or God coming in the, the excitement of the music. And those things can be good and God can use mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. But in the Ignatian sense, some of that's just a natural consolation mm -hmm. and we can confuse that for our spiritual consolation very easily. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on what I'm saying here? And what have you seen in terms yeah, of when so we get I've to been, emotive? I've been a Pentecostal pastor for 37 years. So I've been around a lot of stuff, although I've really con consistently pushed away from what you're describing as what I would say uh, the unfortunate um, caricature of the charismatic. And, you know, before I was describing the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus. So the way that I go about this is the Holy Spirit is not in the caricature of so much of what we see in classical Pentecostal charismatic circles. And I just find that so deeply unfortunate. And it's just become a form of faith where basically there is a way of operating and it's the only way it knows, you know. 
I would say, and, and, and I said this to you earlier, that it, that's uh, the Holy Spirit is Tigger. Yeah, so the caricature of Jesus or bounce, the caricature yeah, of Tigger. <laughs> yeah, and bouncing, you know, the Holy Spirit is this sort of, <laughs> yeah, ha- absolutely crazy energetic presence that ADD, God, yeah. you know, ADD God or something. <laughs> Uh, but if it's the if it's the spirit of Jesus, then there's a deep. I want to call it a deep sanity. That's the the best way I know. Like I just when I and this is my life with Jesus in my New Testament studies and everything else. There's this deep sanity to Jesus. I mean, he's so grounded and he's so present, and he's so he knows his own mind. <laughs> Uh, he's wise, right? All, all the things we'd want to say about Jesus, he's strong, right? He's loving, uh, he's tender, but he's also tough-minded, right? This is who the Holy Spirit is for us. Not aggressively crazy, but deeply sane. And if there's anything we need as human beings, it's the sanity of God <laughs> yeah, yes. in this crazy world. All of us have, and you would know this in your field, of course. I mean, we all have issues. I mean, where, where's where does our sanity come from? It comes from being truthful, being loved, all these kind of things. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. So, my critique of the charismatic Pentecostal movement is that, and I, I worked for a long time to try to bring some change and reflection. There are better expressions of it. There are more, and there are some wonderfully faithful people. And then there are the caricatures that happen, and and those are unfortunate. Uh, what I found, though, coming here and studying with Catholics is when they would talk about the Holy Spirit, I found it very refreshing. And so the way I just want to say it this way is the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to any particular denomination. Mm. God's empowering presence, this is the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and he is the gift to those who open up to God, right, mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ, the gift of God's presence with us. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to push away from the caricatures. And, and in fact, this is part of my musings on what I might be able to do with my own group is to talk to them about silence and the contemplative ways and just all the various ways that the Holy Spirit uh, can be present to us in different practice. Part of that is my nature, but part of that also is my deepening and widening experience. So when someone hears you know, the Holy Spirit being mentioned, sometimes they they trip out because they go to the caricature. Well, I saw something and I, that doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, I saw whatever, yeah. the guy pushing him on the f- ground, yeah. the preacher preaching the guy on the ground and, he, you know, now he's like yeah. convulsing or whatever. And that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and it's just we just have to reject that image and say, well, is that the spirit of Jesus? What is Jesus like? Um, and come back to the, you know, the way that the spirit is portrayed in the width and breadth of the biblical tradition. And I would say that involves silence, that involves stillness. But there are times you might be excited. Yeah, absolutely. That's within your options too. Yeah, of course. But that's not, it's not the one slot. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in my, again, my own experience when I've seen this kind of go off the rails, um, my concern is because as we spoke about that there's a profound intimacy that God is seeking within us. Yeah. And when we're not sharp in terms of our discernment, again, using this word that Ignatius is giving us here in, in right. conversation, um, how do I describe it? It's it's like we all have like this inner compass inside of us that is trying to point north, is trying to point towards God. And and part of what guides this compass is, as we've said, experience and knowledge. It's both and together kind of operating within us in an integrated self. 
And I've had experiences where, where I've been in myself, where I've been too involved in, in a charismatic element or in a charismatic in, right. in, in an unhealthy way. Okay. Uh-huh. In the caricatured way and in, in a way that, that focuses too much on, on the emotive and in on the emotionalism. And what happened in my experience, I can almost speak for myself and in a, in a, like I have no others as well. They've shared this, that it's almost like it messed with that sensor. Right. Right. Like I, like I thought, okay, this is how these people are telling me, this is how you determine that the Lord's coming. And not that anybody says it outright, you know, but it basically is, it's confirmed on how many goosebumps you have on a, on the quality of the prayer and the emotion that you had in prayer and, and, and how expressive that was. And again, I know that God can work in that, but when we, take that sliver and we say yeah. that's the only way that the Holy Spirit manifests right. himself is through Tigger is through yeah. this, this, you know, heightened emotion. So now it's like, well, if that's the way the Holy Spirit works in, in my sensor is trying to point North, well, then my sensor has to kind of align with yeah. that. Yeah. If, if I'm making and that sense does here. great damage to people. That's what I'm getting. Because that is a violation of, of the deeply held personal being that we are. Yes. And that's not God. That's not God. No, it's not God. I had a close friend of mine in who we were, we were in arms working together in some yeah. of these ministries. And, yeah. and once he, once it kind of clicked within him that that was not God, yeah. he just like, yeah. was like, I don't know what God is anymore. Yeah. I don't know what I believe anymore. And, and just bless him, you know, as he's been trying to yeah. piecemeal again within himself, a, a grounding yeah. And a trust and a confidence again and, and reestablishing what that means. And, yeah. And it's just so hurtful. Yeah. What else to the say? most beautiful things in, in life are the deeply personal. Yes. And the most wounding things in life are the deeply personal. So it's where we're most vulnerable. And this is an unfortunate legacy of a lot of charismatic Pentecostal. And I, I have a lot of experience with this so with young people who've come through white hot intensity charismatic areas uh, or movements and then been wounded by that in some sense. Any advice or thoughts that you've offered to people as they've kind of come out of that or, or just even thoughts moving forward, like what, what a balance kind of looks like that you can bring back or, I mean, just any of it. It's sort of the common thing I say is that there are other ways to be Christian, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, and I say that to everybody who has a wound or some kind of misapprehension or some kind of distortion is that there are other ways to be Christian. And, and this is why, you know, even our conversation today, the fruitfulness of being with uh, the body of Christ and sort of exploring the breadth and width of it, uh, we are led back to the infinite personal God revealed in Jesus present with us by the spirit in new ways, because we see again through a different set of eyes. We don't know anything by ourselves. We know together. Uh, And so this is what my hope is still that there is uh, perhaps waiting us in some future time. And maybe, maybe it's the next generation. uh, coming back at questions again with fresh set of eyes. You know, you hear about renewals in the church for open dialogue and different things like this. So my my simple advice is there are other ways to be Christian. I, I'm i actually teaching uh, with a real charismatic group right now that invited me into their environment. And, you know, what I found with them is they were quite fascinated when I talked about silence and solitude. It's not something they ever practiced. But, you know, as I addressed it, opened up to them, they were really intrigued by this. So, you know, if we do speak in these these uh, categories, uh, I think people who've been through various 
uh, religious experiences can open up their hearts again and say, is there another way that I can come back to this? Maybe from a different angle, you know? You're an eternal optimist, aren't you? <laughs> no, well, I, I've been quite discouraged at times. I'm telling you that. Um, I, you know, but uh, maybe it's just, you know, that that sense of calling that, you know, Jesus, you're so good. Holy Spirit, you're so precious. Yeah. How can this gift of the Holy Spirit be lost because of distortions? Can't be. So that's my, that, that is my hope. That is my prayer. Yeah. yeah. That people come. Yeah. They never stop seeking. They never yeah. stop asking the question, even if they've been hurt, to keep yeah. going, keep yeah. going, and recognizing that what wounded them, what hurt them wasn't God. No. Um, but some false uh, pretense. Yeah. And, and that's a, if I may say delicately, that's a, that, that's a big pill to swallow, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because sometimes those of us who work in the church and, and align our, our lives and our careers to, to working in the church, and when we get wounded or hurt by e- ecclesial authorities, it, it can be very difficult to kind of separate yeah. that. And for me, I've had to do that in my life in different experiences, you know, just to separate, recognize there's, there's a job here and these are human persons. I get it. Even if they're wearing the collar, even if they profess a life of faith, nobody's perfect. And and God is still working in all of this. Yeah. And, and that's because I, I'm an optimist, you know, and yeah, I try yeah. and that's the whole point of the show is always sure. hope, right? Sure, I mean, sure. I, People are like, always hope. What? Is that true? Yes, it's true. Yes. That's, yeah. that's what I'm aiming for. You know, that even no matter what happens, because what's the, what's the alternative, right? The alternative is despair and, 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 and cynicism. And yeah. in the times I've just tasted that in my life, it's just not been good. But the gentle qu- response that you offer or advice to people, I think is a good one. Just keep going. Yeah. There are other ways to be Christian. There's other ways to be other other ways to be faithful to Jesus and to experience the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. 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 So so that hopefulness, you know, was it uh Desmond Tutu said, we have no reason to be optimistic, therefore we have hope. Do you know that quote? No. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you know, that hope is a gift from God Himself. Uh Romans five talks about that. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we're given hope. And, and he talks about there that he's poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he's given us. The Holy Spirit himself is 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 the source of hopefulness. So it's not about conditions that we look around and say, well, you know, you know, the markets look good or <laughs> the trends in religious life look good, therefore I'm more optimistic. It's not that. It's it's actually a work of God. When you were saying before, you know, that 90, 10%. Uh, the one thing I would say is this is one of the one of the understandings that I apply to people, and I always say that God does nothing in us without us. So it's God's initiative. God, the Father through the Son, grants us and gives us His Spirit. But what we do is we just say yes, right? I open my heart. Uh, come to be with me, Lord. You know, invade the wounded parts of my soul. Help me to learn the authentic. <laughs> from the inauthentic, you know, uh, and that, that's, that's something we have to be willing to do. Um, perhaps, perhaps in, in private and intimate ways or even self exploration. And then they look around, there's lots of faithful voices and there's lots of good people that can help us here. Uh, if we've been wounded or if we've been, if we've experienced the counterfeit, that's only an evidence that there's something real somewhere. Counterfeiters only try to counterfeit the real. Yeah, right? amen. Well yeah. said. Well said. Yeah. It's so beautiful. 
Um, okay. So just as we're going to kind of get to the yeah. end of our, our show here, places to start. If, if somebody's listening to this and, and just wants to know, okay, well, how can I live more from the Holy Spirit? How can I allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, you know, be part of my life more? What is a, a gentle first step that you would encourage somebody to begin with? That's a really good question. Um, what occurs to me, first of all, and, and maybe I need to think about this more, is, is just that stance of openness. I think it's okay to pray. You know, God, if you're really there, Holy Spirit, if you're real and you really love me, lead me. Mm. Yeah. Bring me to a friend. <laughs> Show me a book, you know. When I say that, I mean, I, I would want to help guide someone. There are some you know, better books and worse books, but... You know, that simple prayer of, you know, Lord, lead me and help me to, to be sensitive to if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. Uh, but to, to be open hearted, to, to be surprised again by experience, you know, a genuine God experiences. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, uh, and I don't mean just, you know, sort of, you know, the mystical universe type of thing. I mean, the living God the personal God who addresses us. Um, so that stance of openness is really important. Um, I don't know what occurs to you. I'm, I'm searching right now. But no, you. I, yeah. I, I, I think that's it. I think you, you said it earlier when you said that God's right there. Yeah. You know, if my, my silly analogy, if anybody's listening, my silly analogy of the 90-10, God's already yeah. gone 90% of the way. Yeah. And, and all you need to do is just take that step. Go that 10% in, in, and that is a leap of faith, but it, sometimes it's not even just a leap of faith. I would say it's almost an invitation of faith Yeah, that it's not, you have to do anything. You don't have to move. You just need to say, come Lord. Yeah. And, and you'll go that, yeah. that last 10%. I'll give you an illustration. It just it came to me. mind. I was teaching an adult baptism class and, uh, and I said to someone, uh, what if, you know, you were to walk a million miles away from God, at least in your imagination. I walked a million miles away or wandered a million miles away from God. Would you, if you decided to turn, and that's the, the understanding in the Bible, we turn, we repent, or yeah. we turn back. If you were to turn, do you have to walk a million miles back? <laughs> so I got him to walk. We were in a large room, and I, and he, I said, start walking. I was right behind him, and I said, turn. And I was when he turned, I was right there. <laughs> I was right in his face. I said, that's the way it is. Yeah. When we turn, God is right with us. And yeah. and the turn, you know, as it says in Romans chapter ten, uh, the word of faith is near you. It is in your heart and in your mouth. In other words, we just open up our heart. We say with simple words, Lord, I'm open to you you know, and that's, that's the turn. It's not like we have to climb a million miles back, read a dozen books and, and do all these things. We simply begin with an open heart and say, God, I'm ready to relate to you. I'm ready to start to know you, Yeah. you know, send your Holy spirit into my heart. And, and, and I want to, I want to know the God, the infinite, uh, personal God, creator of all things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in an intimate way. And if there are wounds, just tell them about those wounds, you know, just tell them about them. There are people to talk to. There are probably things to do, but that's how it begins, right? Yeah. Just with an open heart. Yeah. So in the Ignatian sense, right, when we make that move towards the Lord, the, the evil spirit, the enemy works against us. And so all those narratives that you spoke about, yeah. you know, if I have to walk a million miles, I have to walk a million miles back. If I 
yeah. have to yeah. ask a question or you know, how much do I have to read to actually know God or, yeah. um, or my sins have prevented me from doing this or am I going to lose myself? All those other, all those narratives are all a discouraging spirit. And I just invite anybody who's experiencing those to just let those rest and just turn. Yeah, It's as simple as that. Yeah. And have that conversion of heart and invite the Lord into your presence. Yeah. So, Bob, if anybody's been listening to our conversation, how 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 can they reach you? How can they get more information or learn more about your wisdom and, and what you have to offer? <laughs> well, uh, I I've been a pastor for all these years. I'm I'm now teaching uh, part time and and uh, beginning a spiritual direction practice in Calgary, Alberta. So, I have a website, Robert Osborne dot info. That's Osborne O S B O R N E. RobertOsborne.info, and if they want to send me an email, that'd be great. Awesome. Uh, and I'll, I plan to build that that website out with materials uh, coming forward. So. Sounds great. I'll have a yeah. link to that in the show notes okay. for people so that they can access that. Thank you. And final question to ask all my, all my guests, Bob, what gives you hope? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I am hopeful because of, of uh, you know, there's a sort of a looking back in my life uh, in those desolate moments, I've always seen them as productive for me. So I, uh, you know, looking at desolation, those moments of discouragement, or you just feel whatever that is, that darkness, I've, I guess with a little bit of wisdom, some looking back, I've seen how God was present with me there. So <laughs> if it feels dark or if it feels discouraging, just know that God can turn those things into productive places for us. I think the hopefulness I have is simply the consistent character of God who's always good. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And not Tigger. Yeah. <laughs> not Tigger. <laughs> well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me on the show. God bless you. And uh, and yeah, may God continue just to guide you in your ministry and the, and the good work that you're doing up there to the people in Calgary. Thank you. So be good. Thanks. Another great show is in the bag. So what's the takeaway for me from this episode? I'm struck by the story of Elijah in the cave and how he was able to know that God was not in the strong wind that shattered the rocks, nor that God was in the earthquake, and nor that God was in the fire. But he knew that God was in the still, small voice, the gentle whisper. This passage doesn't mean that God couldn't have spoken in any of those calamities, but rather Elijah had such intimacy with God that he would know if God was speaking through them. That's the key. He knew how to hear God's voice and was able to detect it in the whisper. Wow, man, just holy schmoly. Like, that's the type of intimacy that God desires with us, is that when we have this intimate relationship with him, we can see him clearly if it's in the fire or if it's in the still small voice. And in that particular circumstance, Elijah found him in the gentle whisper. So the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit desires to be intimate with us. So my encouragement to each and every single one of you as we end this episode is to please just take a moment and breathe. Recognize that God is right there. Invite him in. Walk with him. Learn how to develop a real relationship with him. Learn how to hear his voice. I promise you, it's the most important thing that you will ever do. So that's it, folks. 
Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe and share. Find me on the socials. And until next time, be good and God bless.